Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's jump into a new series this morning, guys. Go to Acts chapter 2. Um, Acts chapter two, and we're gonna hang out. As I started preparing this series, I was at about three or four messages in the last couple of days, just as I'm thinking and kind of praying where else we can go. Um, This might be another little long series. I just finished up a six-week series. That's not something that I normally do, Um, but who knows? I just wanna lean into this season of what it looks like to be devoted. And so if you're at Acts chapter two, We're going to read verses 42 through 47 this morning, and it says all the believers. Everyone say all. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say a few. It says all. And so in this time, it means every believer, every converted Jew in the area. It says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, Sometimes people look at that and they say it's always the Lord's Supper, but it's talking about eating meals together, breaking bread together, uh, but then also taking the Lord's Supper communion together. So they devoted themselves to these things and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. Everyone say all. So they all devoted. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And it says... The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and these signs and wonders were miracles that testified to the resurrection of Jesus, to the ascension of Jesus, and to the power that had been given to the apostles and the believers through Jesus. And it says, all the believers say all. See, there's a theme here. It's not a few. It's not some. It's all. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every once in a while, right? That's that's not what it says. They worshiped together at the temple each day, every day, not someday, not Sunday, but it says each day. And then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity all, everyone say all, there it is again, right? All the while, not just sometimes, not just on occasion, but all the while this is happening, they're praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And this is, this is my ending thought. This is my overarching thought for this entire series, regardless of how long it goes. Regardless if it's four weeks and we finish up in August, or maybe we go into September for a couple of weeks, this is the overarching thought of all of it. It says, they devoted themselves and God added. They devoted themselves and God added. And so our responsibility in anything, whether it's in a community of faith, 
whether it's in personal discipline, whether it's in spiritual disciplines, if it's in obedience, our responsibility is to devote ourselves. God's responsibility is the multiplication and the addition. Our part is to be obedient and to be devoted. His part is the multiplication and the addition. And so as I'm reading this, we know like this This is being described after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the disciples had been in the upper room praying together, a hundred of them, and they were in one accord. They were in one mind. They were in unity. And as they're praying, the Holy Spirit falls. And Peter steps forward and gives the first sermon without notes. I've been doing this for 20-something years. I still have notes. Not only do I have notes, I have highlighted and bold notes so that I know what I'm supposed to say through the guiding and the leading. But Peter, who had just denied Jesus a few weeks before, now steps forward in all boldness of the Holy Spirit giving the first sermon. It says 3,000 were added to the church that day. And then the believers formed a community. And so I want us to think about what it is in church today for us to be devoted and forming a community where we're experiencing what the New Testament church experienced then. And and looking around this room, most of us have had some sort of church experience, right? We We are in the belt buckle of the Bible belt in the South, right? Here in Murfreesboro, in Tennessee. And so there's probably not many that attend Avenue Church, whether this service or the 11 a.m., that hasn't had some sort of church experience growing up, whether it was vacation Bible school, whether it was Sunday school, whether it was attending Memorial Day or Decoration Day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's where they dress up the graveyards when the graveyard was behind the church and you, you put flowers all over the tombstones and like the church is more full on that day than it is at Easter because everyone comes and this is, this is weird to me. Now, everyone comes to celebrate the dead and to, mem- like, to memorialize them on one day instead of living for the living king the rest of the year. And I'm not going to lie, like, I enjoyed the food because my granny would, would cook. We would have chicken. We would have apple pie. She makes the best mashed potatoes. But before we got there, we had to go to church. And I remember as, like, seven or eight years old, and I had to put on a tie and a, and a, and a blazer, like, dozing off, falling asleep, because that wasn't my community. That wasn't my community of faith that I was a part of. But fast forward several years when I become a teenager, and I get involved in a youth group, and I have adults that are pouring into me. I have a youth pastor that is pouring into me. I have friends within the church. That is, is some experiences that have formalized who I am today as a 44-year-old. And I want you to think just for a moment, what are some key moments within your church experience that maybe have left you in awe, that have been formative in your life, that have encouraged you along the way. And, and, and I want us to see how we can create a community, a church, where that is multiplied and replicated over and over and over. And so when you look up this word 
devote. It says they devoted themselves. Um, to devote is this. It is to give up or apply oneself with the seriousness or the earnestness evoked by a formal vow for some serious or even sacred purpose. So to devote yourself is to give up something, to apply yourself in a serious way for a serious or for a sacred purpose. And so the believers that are gathering here, guys, 3,000 added to the church, their lives have just been transformed by something monumental, and now they are leaving their old way of life, their old commitments, their old passions, their old desires, and they are committing to something brand new. Guys, for the church in America, and I love the church, and I don't like to church bash, and I know there are Instagram accounts out there that, that I feel like are bashing the church, but I feel like Unintentionally, we have become very productive in that it is about a production on Sunday mornings, not, not us. We fight really hard against that. And it's also become very consumeristic in our nation. Agree, disagree, agree, right? And, and, and I look at this, and as Luke is writing, and he says, they devoted themselves and he's describing the church at this time, what would be the description for us today? And so if we are, it's my desire as we walk through this, I know that a sermon is not going to change your world. The Holy Spirit and the word of God will. But it's my prayer and my passion for these next few weeks that, that we hear something, whether it's something I say or something the Holy Spirit says over me as I'm speaking would convict us to live a greater devoted life. And so when we're looking at devotion, like there's some things that, that living a devoted life requires. And just so that you know, I've been preaching this stuff to me before I ever get it to you. Because if I'm, not, if I'm not cutting myself with the word of God, I have no business bringing it to you. And so as we're reading this, what does it mean to be devoted. Devotion requires some things. And, and for so long, I wanted to be the catchy preacher in that my points made sense, but they were also kind of cute. Okay. Can I just be like, like they made sense and they rhymed. They made sense and they were catchy because if it makes sense and it's catchy, it gets handles and you remember it. But then as I've gotten older, I was like, I don't want to waste my time with that. I just want to give people truth right? However, I tried not to do that <laughs> on these points. <laughs> like I worked, I was like, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not being cheesy. I'm not having them rhyme, but it makes sense to me. And I hope it makes sense to you. So get the cheese out of the way. I'm not, I'm not, but, but there are some things that devotion takes and I want us to understand and walk out of here understanding what devotion takes. Devotion requires consecration. Devotion requires consecration. That is a big word, which means set apart for a holy purpose. For us to be devoted, and, and we read this a couple of weeks ago when um, Hammond wanted to destroy all the Jews 
because of Mordecai. If you remember the book and the story of Ruth, and, and, and he, he came to the king, he said, look, there's these people that live in your land, and they're not like everyone else. They are separate, and they are set apart. That as the men and women of God, the church, we are called to live consecrated, both individually, but also corporately as a part of the body of Christ that we are to live separate, that we are to live holy, that we are to live righteous, and that requires us to make some decisions at times against culture. That requires us at times to even make decisions against what we want to do. That there are things that I want to do. Paul says this, the things that I want to do, I, I do. The things that I shouldn't do, those are the things that I what does he say? There's a lot of do's in there. The things that I need to do, I don't do. The things that I shouldn't do, those are the things at which I do. And he says, what a terrible wreck am I? And so we all have this wrestling with consecrating ourselves. And I love the way Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And, and I'm reading this from the message paraphrase. Normally I read from the New Living Translation, which is a, a scholarly translation, but a paraphrase is just taking what's already written and I'm gonna paraphrase it in, in what sounds right to me. And so he says this, and, and I believe we take this for, for consen, uh, consecration. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That is consecrating our everyday ordinary life. We think that it has to be the major things. God's saying, look, just take your sleeping, your eating, you're going to work, you're staying at home, place it before me as an offering, as a sacrifice. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants you to do and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. Come on, like, like when we consecrate ourselves and place our life before him, he brings out the best in us. He brings maturity in us. And the church right now, like there are denominations splitting over how they should consecrate. There are churches that have taken the creed, the Nicene Creed, the Disciples' Creed, and they have replaced it with something called the Sparkle Creed, where they are speaking to a non-binary God, and it ends with God is love and love is love. Love is not love. God is love. Church, we have to consecrate ourselves in order to be devoted. The second thing is it requires, devotion requires motivation. It requires, anything requires motivation, but I wanna say this, it's not just any kind of motivation, it's the right kind of motivation. Are we consecrating, are we devoting ourselves for attention, are we doing it for selfish gain, for selfish reason, what's the motive behind the reason that we're doing it? Are we doing it so, so God will answer prayers, or are we doing it so that we are drawing closer to him and further away from the world? because our motivation has to be pure. James says you have not because you ask not. And he says when you ask, you're asking with the wrong motives. 
And so we have to have the right motives in place because the right motives will sustain us in anything. The wrong motives will eventually die out and we cannot stay committed to it, right? We've, we've all had motives in trying to devote ourselves to carnal things, physical things that we think will improve us. And if we were to look deep enough, we really had selfish motives. And either once we reached that goal and the motivation was not right, the devotion did not last. Or the motivation was not right and we didn't make it to the goal and we still didn't last. The length of our devotion is going to be determined by the right motivation. And this is, this is what, what Paul says to the church in, in Philippi. This is the message paraphrase as well. It says, if, if you've gotten anything out of all from following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, listen, here's your motivation. If you've gotten anything from a faith community, if, if God's love in you has done anything, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, what's the motivation? Is the motivation right? If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, deep fellowship, deep community. Devotion has to have the right type of motivation, and then we can't just separate ourselves. We can't just motivate ourselves. At some point, we have to get off the couch, and we have to stop talking, and devotion requires activation. Like, like we, we have to just do it. Man, I should have had this. Do you guys know Shia LaBeouf? You guys know where I'm going with this meme? And he's like, just do it. You guys, I'm just making a fool of myself. That's okay. Google it. He's saying, just do it. Stop talking about it. Just do it. Like, to be devoted, we, like, we can't just talk about it. We have to be about it. We have to do what we say we're going to do. We have to commit. We, we have to stop just thinking and talking and encouraging one another. We have to move forward in devotion to the things of God. And this is, this is what James says. In chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Can that kind of faith? And like, I believe in speaking faith, but I also know that greater than speaking in faith is walking in faith, walking in commitment. My first years, first summer as a youth pastor, not knowing what I was doing as a 24-year-old, I can't believe my pastor let me as a 24-year-old take 75 teenagers to Dallas, Texas for a week. He was insane. But the message I remember was Christine Kane. Anybody know who Christine Kane is? Like that was before she blew up. That was before she was traveling the world. She was doing little youth, youth conferences. And, and, and she, she gave a message about Jesus getting lost from his parents. They had went in for the Passover celebration and was leaving, and the parents, Mary and Joseph, was like, hey, has anybody seen Jesus? Where's he at? And they were traveling back. They'd been gone three days. If you've been missing your kid for three days, something's up, right? And they go back, and they find him in the temple, and Jesus says, didn't you know I would be here, that I have to be about my father's business? And I remember Christine Kane, she just kept saying that over and over and over in that cool Australian accent that I'm not gonna try to do in ruin. but she's like, we have to be about the father's business. 
there has to be some activation to our devotion if, James says this, if we're gonna have the kind of faith that saves others. He says, what, like, if, if there's no action to your faith, that faith doesn't save anyone. That, that when we walk in faith and believing Jesus and staying connected to him and living devoted, that catches fire on people around us and they see the difference that a life devoted makes in our life. Devotion requires concentration. And what I mean by that is where are we putting our priorities and our focus? Where are we putting our priorities and our focus? We have so many options for so many things in life as parents and so many things that we can do with our kids and, and extra activities and sports and tryouts and plays and all these extra things as parents, but where are we putting our priorities? Where are we putting our concentration? And even without kids and all the options, like where are we putting our, where are we spending our time? Where are we putting our energy? Where are we putting our finances? Is it in devotion to the things and the people and the mission of God, or is it to other things that have no eternal value? It can be really easy to slip into the things that don't have eternal value. What are our focus points? Proverbs chapter four, um, verses 25 through 27. Solomon says this, and this is, what it, this is what it looks like for us to walk in devotion. He says, look straight ahead. To be devoted on what's right in front of you. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. We have to be concentrated on the things of God. Be concentrated with the people of God. Be concentrated on the mission and the purpose that God has for us so that we can stay devoted, okay? So we talk about being consecrated. We talk about being motivated. We talk about being activated. We talk about being concentrated on where God's calling us. And, then, and really, like, all those four things are great. But really, the last one is where it has to continue, that, that devotion requires perpetuation. It requires for it to continue, to continue, to continue. Because the moment that our devotion stops guess what it ceases being? Devotion. It was a seasonal hobby. It was a temporary passion. It wasn't something that outlasted the struggle. It wasn't something that outlasted the season. It's not devotion. And so it has to perpetuate in our life. And as it perpetuates in our life, it replicates into the lives of those that are around us. And that's what we see, listen, that's what we see all throughout the book of Acts. From Acts chapter two, where they devoted themselves, we see over and over and over, there was this devotion. There was this devotion to things. There was this devotion to the things of God. What are the personal disciplines, relationships, holiness, righteousness, there was, and, and I almost said this, there was a devotion to the house of God, because that's old school. There's a devotion to the house of God. But I want to go beyond the house of God because I said last summer in a series that we are the church, the church is not a place, it's a what? People. 
And so I don't want us to be devoted to the house of God. I want us to be devoted to the people of God. Because if we're devoted to the people of God, then I believe the people who are in the house will be at the house. Whether that's a temple or whether that's a house in a small group, whether that's a sanctuary, whether that's a living room, whether that's a coffee shop. It's not about the house of God. It's devoted to the people of God. And I believe when we're devoted to the things of God and the people of God, then we are devoted to the mission of God. What's he called for us to do? He told the disciples, go into what? All the world. Go into all the world, baptizing and making disciples. Teach everyone to do what I have taught you. And, and, and we think discipleship is a curriculum in this day and age. Discipleship is not a curriculum. I love curriculum. I read books. I've walked through curriculum, but curricul- like curriculum is not discipleship. Relationship is discipleship. And so we disciple when we're committed to the people of God. When we're committed to the people of God, we're committed to the things of God. And when devotion takes place, and, and, and here's kind of what I want us to do. I've not thought about this until just now. Like This is actually going to be a series on the book of Acts. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Um, You could read seven chapters a week and have it read in a month. You could read four chapters a week and have it read in seven weeks. Whatever you want to do, maybe read it two or three times. But as we're going through this, let's, let's read through the book of Acts a few times. And let's see what God did in the early church. He's not changed, which means what he did then he can still do, wants to do, and is doing here and in other churches all across the city, all across this nation. But, but when we devote ourselves to these things, the things of God, the people of God, the mission of God, what we see happen in Acts is there's, there's unity in the body of Christ. There's unity in the body of Christ. Um, there's, there's power in the body of Christ. And there's transformation that takes place both in individuals and in communities. There was, I think it was in Acts chapter four, Acts chapter six, Peter and, and one of the other disciples were walking through and, and they healed a guy in this town called Lydia. And when he started giving his testimony, it said everyone in the community of Lydia gave their heart to the Lord. That is from unity with the believers, walking in the power that comes from that unity and that comes through transformation that takes place. So here's what I want. Here's where I want to end. It says, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. And I'm kind of preaching this as a commandment to me, to us. But when Luke was writing this, this was not a command to the church. You need to go be devoted. You need to go be devoted to your pastor's preachings and small groups and worship and prayer. You need to go be devoted. He's, he's not giving a commandment here. He was giving a description here. And I think about like if, if Luke were to write basically an investigative report about our church, about other churches in Murfreesboro, about the church in America, Big C, what would be the descriptive words he would use to describe the church? 
what would be the descriptive words he would use to describe us as believers? And know my heart, like I don't want anyone walking in here with any condemnation. I have nothing but excitement because what I see happening in scripture when the church lives devoted, that's what I want us to experience. It's not a commandment that Luke is giving. It's a description that he's giving about being devoted. Now, I promise you it probably wasn't easy because you continue to read in the book of Acts. There was this guy named Saul that was going around terrorizing Christians, arresting them, but they were still committed. They would go in behind locked doors and meet. They would still meet in the temple. They would still break bread together. They were still committed and devoted regardless. And that's, that's the crazy thing to me is, and I know I've said this before, not to be a broken record, but you look in countries where like, the church is illegal. Christianity is illegal. And it is exploding. But then you come to America, and we've got the comfy chairs, and we've got the lights, and we've got the good coffee, and we've got all these things, which I'm so beyond grateful for. And we're having to, like, at times I feel like, beg people, come be a part of what God is doing. Not just church, but come be a part. And and, and I believe in doing everything with excellence. And I believe in meeting needs. But I also know that cities were changed because the believers looked different than those that were around them. They had different priorities. They had different motivators. They had a, 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 a focus that couldn't be wavered by an attack, little own an offense. And so here's what we're going to do for the next seven weeks. You had this card in your, in your seat. And if you were here for Pastor Dan's message a month or so ago, he, he talked about at his church, they did a seven-week challenge. Like, that's a lot of work, Pastor Dan. But the more I prayed and the more I thought, because part of me was like, that's, that's silly. Like, I sh shouldn't have to challenge people. But I know that there are things in my life that if I'm not challenged, I'm not going to do it. Challenge accepted, right? And so for the next seven weeks, it's not starting today. I'll give you a week to prepare, right? Sometimes we need that, that, that week to prepare. For the next seven weeks, there's a few things on, on this card, and you don't have to do all of them because if you try to do everything, I find out you will do nothing. But if you will pick one or two or three of these spiritual disciplines, principles, community engagements, I, I have no doubt that your faith will be stronger at the end of the seven weeks, that your, your gaze will be a little clearer. And so look, here's, here's what, you don't have to turn this in, this is just for you. But you'll be in church each Sunday for the next seven weeks. And I know some of you already have trips planned. Maybe you get back on Saturday night at one o'clock in the morning. Guess what you can do? You can come to the 11 a.m. service, right? For some of us, this is gonna be a challenge. I'll arrive at church seven minutes early and stay after for seven minutes. Just in preparation for this, this message, I heard a pastor really chastise his congregation. I thought, I can't, I'm too nice of a guy. I can't say that. But he said, the reason why so many people say the church is nothing but a production is because they're showing up after the first song has already started 
and they're leaving after the final amen. That's not you guys. But maybe you're getting here right as the countdown starting or right as it's ending. You come in, we sit in our seats and we leave. I want to encourage you, get here a little early. I find that your spirit's a little more rested, your mind's a little more clear, and who knows, you might make a friend. I'll invite seven friends to church over the next seven weeks. Who do you know that their life could be encouraged because of what you experience here? We underestimate the power of an invitation sometimes. I'll start giving of my finances for the next seven weeks, whether that's weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And, you know, pastors get nervous when you talk about money. Congregations get nervous when you talk about money. Um, And it's not about the money. It's about our hearts. Are we able to trust him with what he's given us? Maybe you're already giving, and you know what? I'm gonna increase my generosity for the next seven weeks, create room for God to move, create room to be generous. I'll read my Bible for seven minutes and pray for seven minutes daily. Read through the book of Acts as we're doing that. I'll fast a designated meal, a day, or activity for seven weeks. Maybe that's lunch on Monday. Maybe that's all day Tuesday. Maybe that's get off social media for the next seven weeks. I know we do a 21-day prayer and fasting in, in January, but for the next seven, seven weeks, what kind of devotion commitment can we make? And then the last two, during these seven weeks, um, we're gonna launch our fall small groups. The signups will start at, in end of this month, 1st of September. We believe that you grow stronger in community, and community can't just happen on one hour a week on Sunday mornings. And then in September, September 10th, we're having our starting point, which is the on-ramp for All Things Avenue as far as serving on a team and finding out more about our vision and values and and those kind of things. And if if you're not on a team, we'd love to get you on a team. And it's not about what you're doing, but it's about who you're serving with and, and who you're serving. It's not about the function of what you're doing. It's about the purpose of what you're doing. And we can devote ourselves to the things of God, the people of God, and the purpose of God, I believe your life is gonna be blessed. And I believe the lives of those sitting around us will be blessed as well. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as, as, as I pray over us for this. Um, when Peter finished preaching his message, and it says that everyone who heard it, their hearts were struck to the core. And they said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. And we do not believe that baptism saves you, but we do believe that it is a step of devotion and obedience, that when you have accepted Christ as your Savior, when you have surrendered your life to Him, that your next step should be into the waters of baptism, that it is symbolic of the inward transformation that has taken place, that you go down into the water, the old man, the old woman, you come back up out of the water in new life in Christ, Scripture says that we are a new creation in him, that all the old is gone and all things are made new. And so we've got baptisms after second service. And if you're here today and you have not taken that next step, I'm not saying you can't be devoted to any of these things, but it's like, why do the extra credit when you haven't completed the assignment? So I want to encourage you. It's like, I don't have, we've, listen, I went and bought extra shorts this morning, extra towels this morning. You've got enough time to go home and get your clothes and come back. Just let us know. We would love to celebrate what God's done in your life, right? Let's pray together. Father, I just come to you this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in this house. God, I thank you for what you have in store in our lives. Um, 
God, that you would convict us. God, that it wouldn't be me, but that it would be your Holy Spirit to, to live a devoted life of consecration, God, of being motivated, of, of just moving forward in action, God. God, to be focused and concentrated on what you've called us to do and to see that blessing perpetuated in our life and in the lives of those around us and in our community so that as we devote ourselves, you add daily those who are being saved, not just for number's sake, but God, so that people can know you and walk in relationship with you. And so God, we just pray over what you would have us do. Whatever little step to take to draw closer to you and to your people. God, anyone in this room today that does not have a relationship with you or, or maybe they've been in conversation with you or they've questioned what is their next step, God, I pray that in this moment, they would just say, Jesus, I give you my life. That your word says that we're to take up our cross daily, that we are to, to surrender this life, that we might have new life in you. And so God, that they would just give you their life. And as we surrender to you and submit to you and receive that forgiveness, confess our sins to receive that forgiveness, your word says that, that all the old is gone, all things are made new, that our sins are as far as the east is from the west, that you put in us a new purpose and a new passion as we follow you. And we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen, 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 amen. Listen. Bye. Bye. Bye.